what if you could help your customers save time and save frustration and help yourself save a ton of time and a ton of frustration? Help your customers help themselves. That and more coming up on the marketingandservice.com podcast. Hey, Justin Bruzo here from the marketingandservice.com podcast, the podcast designed to help you grow your business by creating incredible customer relationships. I hope you enjoy this show and that you get some value out of it. If you do, take a moment, subscribe, like, follow, leave a review. It would mean the world to me. In today's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about self-help. <laughs> Not that kind of self-help, but how can you help your customers help themselves? And what I mean by this, of course, is self-service customer service. And I think the most traditional examples of this would be something along the lines of posting the hours of your business on the front door, right? We take it for granted now, and it sounds really silly to say that, but uh, pre-internet, you would go to a business and they might be closed, and it's good to know what hours they're open. You have just performed a customer service duty by having your hours listed on the door, because without having to call and without having to ask, that customer now knows when you will be open or when you will return from lunch uh, or what time you are going to close, or if it's a holiday, maybe there's a sign that says, we are closed on such and such holiday, and now they know that that is not a day that you typically do business. So how do we take that fundamental thing that's been around forever and translate it to today's fast-paced, internet-bound world? So I think the earliest example of this is the FAQs that used to be wildly popular on websites and surprisingly have diminished quite a bit from the forefront on many, many websites. But the frequently asked questions page is really, really important. And this is like the number one place to quickly and easily answer a ton of basic questions that your customers might have. And it does them a service because they don't have to go hunting trying to find the answer to the question. They go to that page and if you're like most businesses, you can probably answer 80% of the questions that anyone could have on this page in one sentence answers, right? So people might say, what are your hours? What is your return policy? What's your phone number? Who do I call if I need to make a return? Do I have to pay return shipping? Is there a guarantee on the product? If there is a guarantee on the product or service and I'm not happy with it, how do I make a claim? How do I how do you honor that guarantee, right? What's the warranty on this? Are there any safety precautions? Is this something that can get wet? Can this product be washed? Uh, with, with COVID is a, a top of mind right now. Can I wash this uh, or is it going to damage the product? The bottom line, there could be a lot of questions that are obviously going to be very product-specific, brand-specific. It could be industry-specific, uh, the needs of a software-as-a-service company where there could be highly technical integrations with other software might have a much more comprehensive database of frequently asked questions, and they might not call it that at that point, than a, uh, a company selling a single retail consumer packaged goods product that might be a much shorter thing to answer much of the common questions. So what inspired me to make this episode was a, a couple things kind of happened in a very short amount of time that really got me thinking about this. Uh, and I, I'm going to tell the little story about each aspect because I, I think it'll it'll be relevant and I'm sure everyone will understand the frustrations uh, but also 
understand and appreciate uh, the convenience that sometimes uh, this self-help and this self-serve service can provide as a customer. Uh, And then when you see how it can be so beneficial to the customer, you'll see as a business owner or someone in marketing, how you can easily address some of these common problems that will really save you a lot of time and a lot of money in the long run. So we talked about physical signage. Uh, That's always a great thing. If you're a retail store, yeah, you should have your hours on the door. You should have the return policy printed somewhere in the store. Uh, Those are just basic questions that I think a lot of people will normally have, and they shouldn't really have to dig for them. Uh, And then we we already talked a little bit about the FAQ page or the frequently asked questions. This one, again, is going to be specific to your business or your product or your brand, but you really want to take some time and think about what are the questions that customers ask. Now, this doesn't necessarily have to be questions that are asked in a post-sale support capacity. Uh, If you have a customer service team, it's not necessarily the questions they ask. It could be sales objections that are common. It could be questions that are asked during the sales process that are typical. It could be concerns you think people might have and not even express. You're trying to anticipate any possible objections, right, from a sales perspective. So these are things that can help before this customer is even a customer. And then, of course, you have your obvious things. Do I have to put this thing together? How does it go together? Uh, If it's a service, how do I start the service? When will I get my login? You know, all the questions that might come in that people do ask. And I think a lot of times, from the business perspective and from the marketing perspective, we tend to take that for granted. We know what we know, and we don't know what other people don't know. And it makes it it makes it a little harder to come up with this. Uh, the bigger of a customer service staff that you have and, and more customer service resources that you have, really the easier this should be because hopefully you have a system to track your customer service, whether it's a customer relationship management system, a basic CRM, uh, whether you have some type of support, uh, Zendesk or HubSpot ticketing or something that will keep track of problems and the resolutions. Regardless of what platform you use, or even if you don't use any of these platforms, uh, if you're a solopreneur, you think about it. You're going to know the questions that you get asked often, uh, and it should be easy to list those out with the answers. And for things that might be a little more technical uh, or involve more content, these are actually where you will save more time and more money. So for example, obviously videos are going to be the number one thing for many products and services as the best first step for self-serve assistance. If you have a piece of software where a customer has to activate an account and set up certain things and get rolling, videos are the key here. You should have and take the time to make videos. Okay, how do I install this? Or how do I set this up? How do I build this? Uh, This is a physical product we're talking about now, and it might require assembly. Can I see a video of someone assembling it? And the better you make these, the more rewarding it will be for the customer, and the more rewarding it will be in time-saving for you as the business owner, and most importantly, the better it's going to build a relationship that's positive with your customer because you are making it easy for them to find the answers in which they are looking for. Another thing that you can do for self-help, I like calling it self-help. I don't know why. It's it's really, uh, it would be, <laughs> it's not really self-help. I got to come up with a better term, but it's self-service, right? AI bots. I think we've all experienced the AI chatbots. I think we've even had a few guests on the show in in previous episodes where we talked a little bit about this. 
this seems to be something that can be a real love-hate relationship. And the problem is, is that a lot of AI bots just aren't good. And then the ones that are good are really good for 80% of the issues. And then they are astronomically difficult for the 20% of the issues they can't address for one reason or another. And most of the time, that's because those AI bots need to be served the information and they need to know the answers to those questions to be able to answer them. Now, in a really good situation, if you've fed your AI bot a ton of data and given it a ton of answers to tons of questions, you may very, very quickly and effortlessly help 80% of your customer base solve a problem. But if you don't give it a good out to relay it to opening a ticket or making a phone call or escalating it beyond the bot, then what's going to happen is that 20% is going to be extremely upset and frustrated with the experience. So with the AI chatbots, the nuance of balancing when and when you shouldn't send a customer to the next level, whether it's email support, a phone call support, ticketing support, whatever process you have in place in your business to escalate a problem, you really have to make sure that you don't want to make it so easy that everyone just skips the AI bot entirely when it probably can answer most questions. Uh, but you don't want to make it so difficult that no matter what someone types, they're never ever going to get to the next level of support. And now I want to give you a, a couple of examples of my personal experience with AI bots just in the last few weeks. So I had the Apple card right when it came out, the Apple credit card, uh, and it is put out by JP Morgan, and it was the first time they ever did a credit card. Uh, and the beauty of the Apple card is everything is really integrated with your phone. Uh, if you have an iPhone, if you have an Apple Watch, uh, everything is just there. It works. Uh, it's very secure, and it's really, really transparent. Uh, any fees, your charges. I mean, the second you make a charge, it's there. It's in the app. It's color-coded. Uh, you can export it. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff you can do right in the app very quickly with no thought, including paying the bill, knowing if you're going to pay any interest. All of that stuff is just extremely easy to uh, to view. The, 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 the design of the interface is beautiful. It's a, it's a great data dashboard, essentially, uh, but they did a really good job on it. It's super easy to use. And most of the support issues, well, <clears throat> I'll actually say virtually all support is done through the app and through texting, entirely through iMessage. iMessage is secure. And if you go into the app and say you have a problem, it immediately connects you with someone uh, at JP Morgan to handle the customer service end of things in a live chat that goes through your iMessage account. So there are a lot of things that are bot-based in the beginning. Uh, if you want to say, what's my balance, for example, it will tell you what your balance is. Uh, you, I don't know why you'd ever do that, though, because it's right there in the app. But I, I don't know any examples offhand that might be helpful. But uh, I want to say there were a few issues with disputing a charge or not sure where a charge came from, where there were a few more steps than there should have been with the AI bot before it transferred to a person. But here was the issue I had. I had the card for a year. And quite frankly, the rewards are not that great. And it just wasn't for me. It wasn't... Uh, you know, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't, wasn't my thing. It, it was, uh, and I didn't want it anymore. So I canceled the card. And when I canceled the card, uh, I did that through the app, through iMessage. 
they confirmed the account was closed and canceled and, of course, gave a, a long, detailed dissertation that I'd be responsible for the remaining charges and paying the bill, yada, yada, like any other credit card. Uh, so, you know, a month later, I pay the bill. Everything is done. Account is closed. Uh, about two months later, I see a charge uh, on my Apple card for I don't remember what it was. It might have been like a... Uh, Amazon Audible renewal. It was something, you know, maybe 50 bucks, 70 bucks, but card had been canceled for months. I couldn't understand how this this charge would have gone through. So I engage with the chat and they tell me the card had not been canceled and that the account was still open and that that was a valid charge. And that's fine. It was a legitimate charge. It just shouldn't have gone through because the account was supposed to have been closed. So fast forward about three weeks, I cancel the account, of course, again, I pay the bill off. About a month later, I get another charge. This is another annual renewal for some service. Uh, and again, they say, yeah, it shows that your account's still open. Uh, so now I wanted to escalate this and call someone and said, listen, can I get a written confirmation that this account has been closed? Can you send me something? Uh, and basically they said, no, uh, we can send you an email, uh, but we'll note the account. We assure you the account is closed. There's nothing we can really send you to prove it. Uh, and I, I said, well, I don't want to have keep having charges go to this thing and have to go through this every time. I just want the account to be closed. Fast forward uh, about three months after that. Uh, at this point, I have removed the card that I no longer use from my Apple wallet. Now, keep in mind, uh, the physical card I never, ever used in the first place. That was probably gone the first day I got it. Uh, and the online card and everything is in the wallet. So once you delete it, there is no way to recover it. And you also deleted all your ability for support because now you don't have a card. You aren't entitled to support anymore. So I actually got a paper bill in the mail for another renewal charge. And I I didn't even know how to approach this because there's no phone numbers. I don't have the card anymore. Uh, I can't get into the app. It was a complete nightmare. I finally Googled it. I found a phone number. Uh, it, it was a it was it was a pain. It wasn't easy because, of course, the first thing they're going to ask you is what's your card number. I don't know. I don't have it. I canceled it a long time ago. Uh, ultimately. Uh, they ate it on this one, which I was surprised. Uh, whatever the renewal was, they just said, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay it. We zeroed it out. And they did send me a written confirmation that the balance was zero on the account and that the card had been closed. So this was an example. I know it's a long-winded story, but an example of an AI bot that in a lot of ways was really good. It easily segued into live support. But in this beautiful ecosystem of near credit perfection was this major flaw that if your problem did not fit into the scope of this AI bot, they didn't know how to translate it, and God forbid you removed the card, you have now removed your support. And honestly, now in retrospect, I would say this is the biggest bad con of the Apple card is the fact that all the conveniences that make it so great, everything being text-based and everything being right there in the app, all goes away when you delete the card and there's no way to put it back. So just something to keep in mind with the Apple card and to serve as an example of some issues with an AI bot from a major, major corporation. Uh, the next one issue that I had was I had an issue with the domain name 
and uh, I had an issue with some of the settings in the domain. This was with GoDaddy, who's one of the domain name registrars. You've probably heard of them if you've ever done anything with with domain names before. They're they're probably one of the most popular ones. Uh, but I had an issue. There was basically a setting that I needed to set, uh, and I couldn't set it. It was grayed out. It just the option to change it or edit it was not there. Uh, and I'm following the instructions on the website, and specifically says you got to click on this thing. There's going to be a little pencil to edit it, but I didn't have the little pencil. So I reluctantly hit the help button, knowing that it was going to bring me to this automated support system, which it did. Uh, It said, are you having trouble with this? It predicted what my question was based on the page that I was visiting, which was very, very nice. Uh, And I said, yes. And it said, did you follow these instructions? And did you check the pencil? I said, no. And then the next question was, did you not check the pencil because the pencil wasn't there? And I said, yes. And it said, oh, if that's the case, then you need to click this, 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 do this, do that, and then the pencil will appear. And sure enough, I followed those instructions and it worked perfectly. The whole thing probably took, I'd say, a minute, a minute and a half between the time I clicked the help button to the time the problem was resolved. Now, this was a case where the bot worked perfectly. It was a fairly technical situation. It wasn't a straightforward, what's my balance or something that would be like your typical frequently asked questions thing. This was definitely a a little bit more of a technical aspect to it, but they came through and they did it and it was, uh, it, it worked perfectly. And that was an amazing example. It saved them the time because it saved me time because if I had called them, I know it would have been on hold for an hour. And then I would have gotten someone that I probably wouldn't understand. Uh, and that would have taken forever and it would have spent tons of time on their part, uh, transferring me around to people trying to figure out the problem. So it was a win-win for everybody involved. That's AI bots. And I I spent the most time on that because uh, they are probably the easiest, most advanced type of service you can set up as a small business. Uh, There are a lot of companies that offer AI bot plugins for websites, and they are very affordable Uh, It's not some hugely technical thing. Uh, You can usually have one up and running in just a few minutes, uh, and all the time is going to be taking to configure it for those keywords. Uh, So if someone says return, uh, you can tell it, if you see the word return, just give them this message about a return. The problem, again, is that obviously the word return could be written in a lot of different ways. And if someone writes something like, I returned this three weeks ago and I haven't gotten my money yet, your AI bot might interpret and just see, oh, you want to return something? Yes or no? And that that's when it gets really frustrating. It's like, no, I just told you I'm not returning something. I already returned it. Now you have to say no. Oh, is this something you've already returned? And then you say yes. And you feel like you're repeating yourself over and over again as the customer. And that's where it gets really frustrating. And that's where that nuance in programming the bot is so important. Uh, and by program, I mean having a lot of keywords and thinking about what those follow-up responses will be. Are they going to be natural language? Uh, because let's be honest, if you were talking to someone, a human being in real life, and you said, hey, I returned something a few weeks ago and I didn't get my refund yet, and they look at you and say, oh, do you need to return something? You'd probably just think to yourself, oh my God, this person's completely lost their mind, they're psychotic and run out of the business. This is what you're doing to your customers if you don't take the time to properly set up an AI chatbot. But just know if you take the time, it's an awesome tool. It is really inexpensive to add to your website. 
Uh, and it because it's instant and it's responsive and it's quick, it's better than a frequently asked questions that someone has to scroll through uh, or a long policy or watching a five-minute video. Uh, I just want to make a return. How do I return something? Boom, they get the answer. Uh, it's essentially, uh, I would say, an assisted search, right? You could always go to the website, click the search bar and say, how do I return an item and hope that you get what you're looking for. Uh, the bot just kind of makes it a little more friendly and a little easier. If it's set up right, it can be incredible. If it's set up poorly and you don't have the time to train it and give it all the data that it would need, you're probably going to have some pretty frustrated customers. So you really have to think about that before you jump into it, but know that it is a very powerful tool if it works correctly. Next thing I'm going to touch on a little bit, just because we're talking about uh, self-serve help, uh, would be community help. Uh, and I think this is something that's uh, more sophisticated and a little more complicated in the sense that you need a platform uh, in which a community can provide help to other users, uh, which is not something that's usually out of the box on your typical, you know, Shopify or Magento or big commerce, uh, e-commerce solution. Uh, and it's not really part of most basic hosting programs. So if you want to add some type of community forum or something like that, it's going to be extra software that you have to install on your website. It's going to require some level of moderation probably so people aren't saying things that are inappropriate or spamming it or posting ads or things like that that you wouldn't want. There is something to be said about community and it it's definitely a buzzword that is spreading more and more and more throughout the marketing world. Uh, if you can create a community around your business or your product or your brand, you really elevate the experience. Uh, and I, you know, I always use Apple as an example because I, I do a lot of stuff with Apple products. I have Apple computers, just, just the way it is. Uh, I'm a little biased for it, but if you go to Apple's forums, you can usually ask a question and you will get an answer from some other other person who uses Apple products, not an Apple employee, uh, but it's it's uh, it's community support. And depending on what type of product you have, or depending on what type of brand or the value of the product or the complication of the product, uh, this may or may not be appropriate. Uh, if you are a retailer of clothes or, or fashion, uh, a forum is probably not going to build a lot of support because there really shouldn't be all that many questions about what you do that aren't already clearly answered in the frequently asked questions or the product description, right? If you say what the material is and how it's how you should wash it and what your return policy is, uh, that should cover it for 95% of your shoppers. If you've got a highly sophisticated and incredibly expensive technical tool, a piece of software or a database or something along those lines, uh, that you will usually find a lot more community support because the situations, uh, especially with software, are so unique to the hardware they're running on, right? So if, if you create a program, I'm running it on a Mac, it runs perfect. Someone else is running it on a PC, it doesn't run right. Or I have a new Mac with a certain thing and now it doesn't work on mine. Uh, it's harder as the company to really provide that direct level support because you can't account for every single scenario. There's millions of hardware configurations a user could have with their software. So just something to keep in mind. Community could be something that you strive for for the higher 
ticket items. With that said, of course, there's phone support, even the messaging on your phone system. If you have an automatic phone system, uh, if there's a question you get asked all the time, like store hours, I know sometimes it can be frustrated to listen to that. If you call a company and you're waiting on hold, and they're like, oh, our store hours are. Uh, bottom line, the reason they put that there is because nine out of the 10 people calling are just calling to find out what the store hours are. And again, it's that it's that nuance and that balance between serving the majority of your customers without hindering the experience of the minority of your customers. So keep that in mind whenever you create any type of self-service program. You're always going to have that balancing act. You want to make it as easy as possible and as quick as possible for the majority of your customers, but you don't want to be putting your minority of customers at a disadvantage or frustrating them exponentially more than they would have been because they can't get through to who they need to get through at the right time. I hope this has been a helpful episode. Uh, you can, of course, go uh, check out marketingandservice.com Facebook page. You can go to the website, marketingandservice.com, where we have links to anything we discuss in the show. Uh, again, if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment, like, subscribe, and if you really want to uh, do me a favor, leave a review. I, I love to see them. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, if you have an idea for a guest, if you have an idea for an episode, or there's something you want to learn more about, shoot me an email, justin at marketingandservice.com. That is J-U-S-T-I-N at marketingandservice.com. Until next week, have a good one, and I'll see you soon.